Welcome to 1826. Um, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for another night where we can spend together. Um, God, I pray that the conversations that are had tonight go beyond our group and into the lives of these young people so that we could uh, build upon what is already happening in your kingdom, Lord. We pray that you would use us um, to be a light to your people. Um, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, my parents sent me to kids camp for the first time when I was a little kid, and I was very anxious. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I was a very anxious person. I still am. And I was very nervous about uh, changing in front of the other boys. I, I was like seven or eight, and I was very intimidated with the thought of being unclothed in front of the other boys, so I would not change in front of them. I would wait till everybody had left until I would change. And it was becoming a problem because I was late everywhere. I was late to lunch. I was late to service. I was late everywhere. And so the counselor had to talk to me. He goes, what's going on? Why aren't you changing with the rest of us? I was like, well, I don't really want to be naked in front of the other boys. And he said, why? Everybody's got one. And so <laughs> I wanted to talk to you on the subject tonight of everybody's got one. And there's a story, um, some humor, not that one. Uh, I want to talk to you in John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. I, I really encourage you at group to bring your Bibles and to follow along in the Bibles because it's one thing when I say something, but it's another thing when you read it and you can see yourself in the story. And especially in this story, there, there's a really a name that could be placed in part of Lazarus. And I hope you inject yourself into this tonight. And so we're going to be talking about this character named Lazarus. And in my opinion, everybody has a Lazarus. Everybody has a Lazarus in their life. So let's read John 11, chapter, uh, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So Jesus would go to Bethany from time to time to regroup, to regenerate himself. He, he relaxed in Bethany. Um, this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, was his friend group that was away from his friend group. Do you have a friend group like that where you're like, I've had enough of you guys for a while, I need a break, and now I'm going to this friend group over here to get away from that friend group? So Jesus really liked to, to spend time in Bethany when he would become tired. And he loved Martha because Martha was a great host. She was a good cook. Martha was, was good in that way. And Mary was a really good listener. And so he would go and get a nice meal and he would be able to talk about life and things that he was going through with Mary. And then there was Lazarus. And, and the Bible says that Jesus loved everybody, but he really only liked Mary and Martha. And then Lazarus was kind of just there. Have you ever had a, a, a Lazarus friend? Lazarus' name means the one that God helps. The one that God helps. So, so you have Martha who served food. You have Mary who was listening. And then you had Lazarus who was always in need of something. So, so have, you ever, have you had a friend who was a Lazarus? Like they always need a ride. Everywhere, they're the ones that need the ride. Or, or you go to a restaurant and they're like, could you pay and then I'll Venmo you and they never Venmo you the right amount. That was Lazarus. Lazarus was always in need. Hey, can you spare me a buck here? Can you do this for me there? That was Lazarus. So, so the story continues. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume 
on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So if you're reading, you might notice that this is in parentheses. And it's in parentheses because John writes this knowing what happens in chapter 12. The, the pouring of the perfume actually happens later on in the Bible in chapter 12. It's unlike any of the other gospels, the synoptic gospels, they call them, because those are written chronologically. John takes seven events and he says, I already know who Jesus is. I'm writing after Jesus has already gone up to be in heaven. And so now I'm able to interject small things into the story to encourage the reader that even though Lazarus is sick, Mary's going to survive. So I would assume that we have people who came to group tonight who are in a chapter 11 of their life. And I want to encourage you that chapter 12 is coming, that a blessing is coming, that an encounter with Jesus is coming. Your chapter 12 is a flip page away. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They didn't want Jesus to know who it was because they knew he really didn't like Lazarus. But the one that you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. So when he heard, not but when he heard, so when he heard, it's a continuation of verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that something bad had happened, he stayed put. It is not a but, it's a so. Because I love you. There is love happening because I love you. Now I'm staying where I am. God's job in our lives is to be the outcome. God's job for us is to make sure that we get to heaven. He's going to give us opportunity after opportunity every single day to make sure our outcome turns out okay. Our job is the process, is the decisions that we make to get to the outcome. The longer you think you have control of your outcomes, the more frustrating your faith will be to withhold. And many of us were taught that when we become followers of Jesus and we just do this and we just pray that, and then we can expect this outcome. But everybody has a Lazarus. Everybody has an unexpected occurrence in life where we turn a corner and something happens and we weren't prepared for it. We have a sickness. We have a a, a mental problem. We have an addiction issue. We have a Lazarus. I've been going over this all day long and I've not been able to say Lazarus correctly. So I apologize if there's like a TH sound on the end of this, Lazarus. The Lazarus in your life is the one thing that caused everything else to fall apart. Lazarus caused you to question the very nature of your belief and your faith. That's a Lazarus. It was unexpected. It was painful. It was not supposed to happen this way. 
It's that deep thing that you don't really talk about. You don't talk about what you struggle with at night. You don't talk about your addiction. You don't talk about the emotional trauma that you had as a kid. You don't talk about the abuse. You don't let people go there. That's Lazarus. And we see in his word, spoiler, Jesus goes to the dead Lazarus and he heals him. You're like, I didn't know the story. I'm sorry. That's what happens at the end. That's where we're going. But, but we also see in his word that he performs miracles for others. He's capable of doing it. We, we come to church and we hear about the miracles that are happening in people's lives. And, and we hear about our friends and how amazing God's moving in their life. And it's this really beautiful, incredible thing. But when we pray, nothing happens. When we pray, it's, it's seemingly just shot into the air. So we've seen all these other things happening and we know what God's capable of, but he just doesn't seem to do it for me. The same breath we use to say, God, you are so amazing and you are so good and you are capable and you are worthy and we love you, Lord, is the same breath. It comes from the same soul that questions whether he's actually going to do it or not. Everyone has a Lazarus. Everyone that has something that was supposed to happen. And we've caught ourselves saying, God, if you really loved me, if God really loved you, he would do this. If God really cared, he would do that. If God was really strong enough, he would come through for me in this way. Because we relate God's love to what he proves to us and not his presence. But we love, but the love of God is proven by how I deal with his perceived absence. You catching that? We praise not for what he does to us, but for who he is. Even when we don't feel him or see him coming. So, so verse three, the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. And now skip to verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Uh, they sent him a text message. They said, hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Hey, Jesus, um, I, I'm feeling sad right now. Hey, Jesus, I'm depressed. Hey, Jesus, I feel like I can't breathe. I can't continue. I feel lonely. I need to know the plan. My family is crazy. They have abandoned me. Hey, Jesus, I don't feel like I have any friends. Have you ever prayed a prayer to Jesus? And it's been days before he answered. Have you ever, have you ever sent a prayer up to God and, and you didn't feel like he responded quick enough? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. He gets the message and he leaves them on red. It's seen. Mary and Martha are like, well, we know he got it because the messenger came back, but Jesus didn't come with him. And this was not to our expectation because our expectation was he's our friend and that he was going to come through for us because we cooked for him. He stayed with our house. He's told us that he loves us. We know that's not an issue. Love is not a factor here. So where is he? And why is he late? And by the way, my brother's getting worse. In fact, at this point, he's dead. Everyone has a Lazarus. Everyone has something that God was supposed to do. 
And that might not be a person. It might be your character. And you felt angry for years. And you're wondering why God has not come down into your soul and corrected this issue. And you want to feel joy so badly. But every day you wake up and it's anger. And you're frustrated. And you're saying, God, I've prayed the prayer for you to take this away. And you haven't. So, so in verse 17, it says, Jesus is coming to comfort the sisters. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had only been in the tomb for four days. Why was Jesus late? Jesus was late because he loved them. He was late because he wanted them to experience his power in a new and profound way. Four days. Why does John talk about four days? Because in Jewish tradition, three days would have been the moment in time where they believed the, the spirit could actually come back into the body and that he would live again. Now, that was the Jewish tradition at the time. So they're waiting the three days. Jesus doesn't show up. Now Jesus shows up and he's a day late. So, so it's the four days. So Jesus is coming on the four days, the point of no return, and he is waiting on human, tie, on human time to expire in order to reveal his true glory. And I'm wondering if God is waiting beyond your past expectations so his strength can be revealed to you in a new velocity. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. There's only so much people can do for you. Have you ever been over comforted? I remember losing a really good friend of mine. It was very tragic and, and people were calling me nonstop and I never really had a moment to, to grieve that properly in the moment. And I remember thinking like, I just wanna turn this phone off. I just, people are being too much. It's because people can only do so much for you. Uh, we hear this, this phrase a lot, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. We are there with you in spirit. Like if that's something that you can do. Thoughts and prayers, but, but thought, human thoughts and human prayers can only go so far. The sisters, they did not need more comforting from your friends. Whatever situation you're going through tonight, there, there can only be so much comforting you get from your human friends, from your human parents, from your human pastors. There can only be so much. This was a job that only one person could do. This was a job for Jesus. The sisters needed Jesus. They appreciated the thoughts. They appreciated the prayers. They appreciated the dinners, but they were waiting on Jesus to come. They were waiting on him to interject himself into the story. There's just certain things only Jesus can do. I'm waiting on Jesus. I need Jesus. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. So let me, let me try to explain this to you in a more relevant uh, young adult way. Uh, the sisters are really, really hacked off at Jesus right now. They're really ticked. Like Mary doesn't even come out. Martha went out to meet him. Usually when Jesus would come, they would, come on in, Jesus. We got food cooking. We got this. Martha was like, Mary, stay inside. I'm going to go handle. I'm going to go confront Jesus. I'm not happy. Mary met, Martha met him at the gate. So now you want to come. 
You're a day late. Welcome to Bethany, Jesus. Do you remember us? The same Bethany that you came to when you were hungry? The same Bethany you came to when you needed a place to stay? You, you ate my food. You slept on my couch. I was there for you when you needed me. But when I needed you and I sent you a message, you were late. Welcome. That's what's happening here. Thanks for the comfort. But why didn't you come now? Why didn't you come earlier so I didn't have to be comforted? Every time Jesus came to Bethany, Martha invited him in. Not this time. I love how Jesus will only come as far as you allow him to. That's your decision. But everyone has a Lazarus. Everyone has something that has died on you. Everyone has a dream that has died on you. You've had a dream that you've let go of and you don't even know. You don't even remember the dream. You've been, it's been dead for so long. Everybody has a friend group that they're not a part of anymore. Everybody has a, a, a piece of joy in their soul that they can't seem to find anymore. Everybody has a Lazarus. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to, to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I love how she addresses Jesus. Still, Lord, you did not do what I asked you to do, but that did not change my perception of who you are. Sometimes Jesus will stay two extra days because he wants to know you aren't changing your mind about who he is. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he will rise again in, in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, this is a correction moment, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Watch this. Do you believe this? He said. Jesus says some interesting things here. He says, I'm going to heal your brother. And then he says, I am the resurrection. And then she says, I believe you are who you say you are. I don't know what you're going to do. You have not done what you have said you're going to do yet, but I'm believing that you are God anyways. That was the faith of Martha. Even though you didn't yet, you are still. Even though I wish you would have, you are still. This is a posture. Even though I prayed, you are still. Even though it didn't happen, you are still. Even though I'm going through pain, you are still. That, that's a posture issue of faith. And so in verse 28, I'll read for a little bit. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here. She, doesn't, she can't even say his name. She's so mad. She says, the teacher's here. And he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the same spot that she had left him because she hadn't invited him in yet. He's only going to go as far as we allow him. But was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and he troubled. I love Jesus because he is not afraid to participate in your pain. He knows the outcome. He, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to heal Lazarus. But he knows everybody has a Lazarus. And God does not just give miracles in our times of desperation, but he is with us in the pain of our disappointment. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. This is such a powerful moment. The significance of what Jesus is asking them to do in this moment cannot be overstated. He he says, where have you laid him? He says, take me to the place that nobody else gets to go to. Take me there. I want to go. Take me to the place that that is dark. Take me to the place of your Lazarus, of your beloved Lazarus that you're not allowing anybody else to see, that you're not allowing anybody else to enter into. Take me to that place. The place, the people, the ideas that you have given up on, take me there. I want to do something. The place where you have buried your faith, the place that you have felt I have rejected you, the place of loss, the place of betrayal. Everyone has a turn that you did not see coming. Everybody has that, that, that place that place that God could have prevented, but he didn't. And Jesus is saying, take me there. The emotional, deep place of your soul. Come and see, they replied. And then we have the hardest verse in the whole entire Bible. Jesus wept. How powerful is it that before he demonstrates his power and his authority, he demonstrates his empathy for them? Again, knowing what's going to happen, knowing that everything's going to be okay, he makes it a point to empathize with them. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? He's got one voice saying how much they love him and he's got another voice questioning his motives. So watch what he does. Jesus, once more, deeply moved. He does not respond according to their opinions. He responds by the nature of his purpose. So Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said, take away the stone. Now, do you think Jesus could have moved the stone himself? Even as a human man, without any Jesus power, I, I think he probably could have done it. So now he's asking these two women to move the stone themselves, which doesn't seem right. Uh, why, why, Jesus, are you asking them to move the stone? Jesus could have done this himself, but he didn't. Until you open your heart to the possibility of what he might do, your heart is like a closed tomb. Nothing will go in and nothing will come out. The problem that you have stored deep in your dark tomb 
will, will never be resolved until you open your heart to the concept that Jesus could move in my life today. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. She's embarrassed. She doesn't want anybody to see her brother like that. I don't want anybody to see my family after they've been dead for four days. It's gross. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you before that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. What did we say at the beginning? He's building their faith by not coming He's building their faith by going against the traditions of what had formerly been accepted. He's building their faith in the moment. And now he's actually thanking God before it actually happens. He's saying, I know what's about to happen and I praise you for it because this moment has actually built them up. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. The dead dream comes out. The dead relationship come out. The dead emotions start to come alive again. All the things that you've been storing away, all the things that you have built up from your past, all the things that you have in this tomb moment starts to become alive again. Everyone has a Lazarus, but do not let your Lazarus convince you that God does not love you. It was, not, it was never a love issue. Even Martha and Mary know that. They said, Lord, we know you love me. So why are you doing this? We're frustrated. We're mad. And by the way, I feel like it's this Christian taboo thing to, to pray angry prayers. But I, I truly believe that God appreciates honest prayers more than he appreciates fake joyful prayers. <laughs> Pray to him, no matter how you're feeling. Pray mad, pray sad. Pray in the morning moments, but don't ever stop talking to him. He loves you so much that he lets something in you die so he could show up in the deepest desperation of your soul. Everyone has a Lazarus, but everybody has a Jesus. Father God, thank you so much for your word and how it continues to inspire us. I pray over the conversations that are about to be had tonight. May you bless them. May you bless these people as they go back into their homes and friend groups and workplaces. God, we know that if you are for us, nothing can be against us, not death, not sickness, not pain, not past trauma. God, everybody has something, but we, we know that everybody also has you, and that your timing is always perfect. We thank you for what you're teaching us. We thank you for inspiring us. In Jesus' name, amen.